Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's your opportunity to ask Eric and our special guest anything. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ooh, hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that is all yours. It's just for you. And we have a very special edition today. Joining me, as always, is Steve Kaufman. Hey, Steve. Hello, I'm the special edition. We love you. And we love George Hermosa as well. Say hello, George. Hello, George. And as everyone is probably clamoring to get to our special guest tonight, she is an author and a personal performance coach who helps her listeners find their passion and purpose on the We're Talking Shift podcast. And he is a pro wrestling icon and the host of 83 Weeks. Please welcome Lori and Eric Bischoff. Hello, everybody. Oh, my gosh, that was the best part of the show. I don't know if I want to follow that. (laughs) Well, we are very happy to have you both with us tonight. Lori, I feel like we're just those um, weird people who sometimes accidentally call you on Skype when we mean to call Eric. Yes, that would be me. I get a lot of those calls. I try to help him fix that little glitch, but uh, I think he likes it. He just won't let me touch it. No, but I mean, Steve Steve is my tech guru who's really trying to nurture me and mentor me along and helping me you know post things but all by myself on youtube but steve knows what a high-tech redneck i really am and and just how difficult it is oh very much so i for the for the record congrats all of the twitter fodders i believe we just posted the fourth one today those are all 100 percent you i add the thumbnail after the fact but you record that excited. you record them and upload them yourself I well love that's cool that. i'm yes i'm I'm sure it won't be long until you're pulling Lori into those two, uh, but this is the perfect week for her to join us because you actually talked quite a bit about her on this episode of 83 Weeks. Lori, are you aware of um, what Eric and Conrad discussed on the latest episode? No, but I'm starting to wonder if I need to be uh, checking in on that a little more frequently. What's being said out there that I am unaware of? Well, Eric, do you want to tell her uh, what she did in 2005 that uh, you brought up to all the fans this week? Do tell. (laughs) I can't remember last week. I sure as hell don't remember 2005. Uh Well, Conrad and one of the 83 Weeks fans actually outed you, Lori, for having uh, had a really awesome photo in Playboy in 2005. Uh yeah yeah i did i had an opportunity to uh to to uh yeah to to, to, uh yeah 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 be part of that um beautiful publication so uh i jumped on the opportunity and yep i did it well it's it's pretty cool i want to know a little bit more about the shoot how did that go down or was it something where you submitted photos and they used those How, how did it happen 
So, you know, that was the time frame when um, the Desperate Housewives series was big. And so this was a, um, a thing they were doing to find um, America's, America's Desperate Housewives. America's hottest Desperate Housewives. Hot, okay, yes, I, I forgot that part. But uh, anyway, so I just thought, um, you know what? What the hell? I said, babe, do you want to take some pictures of me in my underwear? And, mm -hmm. you know, I had to kind of talk him into it, but he said, fine. Yeah, there was, so, a, there was a bottle of wine and, well, maybe two, some <laughs> candles. It was a whole Friday night. So, uh, so we did that, and I sent the photos in, and I, I didn't really think much about it because I figured there would be a lot of submissions. And um, I got a phone call, and they invited me to be part of the feature. So I thought, well... You know what? I'm in my I'm in my 40s. I believe I was 44 at the time, uh, and I thought I'm just gonna do it. What the hell? Wow! Yeah. I want to make sure that I found the right photo. Are you in like a little fringy <laughs> thing? That is you. Holy moly, Lori! Yeah. It is a, a photo you should be very very proud of. That I'm sure everyone is googling right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. But just so that everyone knows, we had, it was, it was a family, kind of a family decision because our kids were in high school at that time. So there was no way that this was going to sneak by them under the radar. Uh, so they had veto power. We told them that, you know, this was an opportunity and if they were comfortable with it, I would do it. And if they weren't, I would say thanks, but no thanks. And they said, no, cool, mom, go for it. Uh, and so I did. And the shoot was, it was really fun. It was really, uh, it was fun. I was in Los Angeles. We were living there part-time uh, at that time. And uh, they, they send a car and they treat you really well. And I had a really good time. That's such a great story. Wow, I love that one. And we're so going to talk about some of the other I, cool stuff you do too, I, Lori. I had a really great time too, because when the magazine came out, I got to relive my 14 year old childhood memories you know i wanted to grab the magazine I wanted to grab the magazine and run and go hide in the woods with my buddies and drink a beer and build oh, a dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh well we love that and you know of course we had to uh vet Lori a little to welcome her to the show you know kind of put her through the paces a little bit but that's a fun story and i want to make sure we take some time now to acknowledge our live chat which is blowing up after hearing all of this. So hello to all of you who have joined us live tonight. They already have questions rolling. Uh, Lori, are you drinking your fat coffee today? Michael Mackey wants to know. Oh, dear Michael. <laughs> yes, Michael. I had two fat coffees this morning. Not, not now. It's evening here, Michael, but uh, every day. I don't miss it. I love them. I can't wait to get up in the morning for that reason. And for those who don't know, is a fat coffee similar to a bulletproof coffee? What? It's similar, but my fat coffees, and that's P H A T, mm -hmm. just so you know, <laughs> are a. I think it's a leveled up version. So yes, and then some. And by the way, if you're watching this and you can hear this kind of banging <laughs> around um, in the audio, that's our dog Nikki. She's sitting right at our feet, <laughs> chewing a bone that's about this big. So. That's what you hear. <laughs> we love that. Man, the chat roll has so many questions for you. We're going to get to those in just a sec, but I bet Steve and George have some to get us rolling tonight. Just a little bit. I know I know Eric's a big beer drinker. 
Do you have a, a drink preference, Lori? Maybe are, do you share beer drinking with him or are you more of a wine connoisseur? Yeah, I'm not a big beer drinker, but I do enjoy wine and I, I love um, natural wine. It's got to be pretty clean and natural, pretty organic. Otherwise, um, you know, headaches, the, the, the stuff that you don't want the next day shows up. So I do enjoy wine as long as it's a clean, natural, organic wine. Have you been to one of those wineries where you do the whole stomping on the grapes and everything? Not yet, but I think that would be really fun. I love Lucy style. Right. I feel like I saw this in the chat, but I'll, I'll bring it up as my question. Uh, is there anyone in the pro wrestling business that you've met that you like above all else? Or do you have some of the favorites that you've met? Because I think that list would be different compared to the people we like because of who we see on television. People I like in the wrestling business. <clears throat> well, I've so far, I haven't ever met anyone that I did not like. Let me start with that. Mm. <laughs> um, I've, all of my experiences with the people on um, both sides of the camera have always been really positive, really good. So I'll start there. Uh, you know, there are a few, a handful that I've been able to get to know very personally. And so there are some that are are actually friends of ours. Um, Name names, come on. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret that that Hulk is is a family friend. Our, our families have been friends for a long time. And so we uh, we have a very good relationship there and and really enjoy his friendship. Um, Paige? Yeah, Paige, for sure. Uh, I mean, we were neighbors. So uh, Paige and, uh, of course, it, at that time, his wife, Kimberly, were very good friends of ours, um, lived right down the street. We had holidays together. And so that was pretty cool. And we're still um, f friends to this day. Um, who else? I don't know that. Oh, is... Sting, you know, he mm -hmm. and his first wife came out, hung around in Wyoming with us yeah. for a little while. Almost bought property here. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That was so far back, I forgot. So yeah, yeah. they did come out and um, great guy. So there was a few, but it's been a while. And you became really see. close with Elizabeth. Yeah, yes. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Miss Elizabeth, uh, we did have some great girls trips together and uh, we were friends and I very much enjoyed her friendship. That's something that a lot of the folks in the chat role were, were asking about, about your friendship with her. That's, that's well known that you guys were close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she even, uh, uh, Elizabeth even, uh, she came out to Wyoming, right? Yeah, because we did, um, there was a, a period of time there where we, a group of us, uh, did a few girls trips together. Uh, and one of those trips was here. A group of us came out to just hang out for several days together and have some fun here at our home in Cody, Wyoming. So And harass all the volunteer firemen. Yeah, there happened to be uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, a little convention in town. and But we went four-wheeling and we went fishing and uh, we just had a really great time. And Janie Angle, by the way, who was my assistant, executive assistant, actually she ran WCW, all, truth be told. Um, she also became a very good family friend. In fact, yeah. when the kids were little, you know, they referred to her, her as Aunt Janie yeah. because she, she came over and she babysat the kids a lot and she was over visiting a lot and uh, she became very, very close for a long time. Right. Yeah, she's a good friend. Still and uh, of course, the first friend you mentioned was Mr. Hulk Hogan, who also came up uh, this week on After 83 Weeks. 
Um, so you, Conrad had mentioned that Chris Hemsworth made some comments about the biopic and that would be all that the fans would get for now. So I wanted to, uh, let everybody know what those comments were, because I think that maybe the folks that listen to 83 weeks aren't really reading people magazine. So what Chris had to say about the upcoming biopic is, I know it's being written now and worked on. I know very little about that. It's sort of in the process now. And according to People Magazine, that is all we know and all the information we have. Even People Magazine is impatient and waiting, clamoring for more details on the Hulk Hogan biopic. Eric, how come you feel like you can't talk about it, but Chris Hemsworth is out there saying everything he knows? Because he's worth, he, he's Chris Hemsworth and I'm not. <laughs> uh, there, there's probably a number of people attached to this movie that can say a lot of things that I can't say, but you know, that. Really, the network doesn't want a lot of publicity to get out. You know, nobody does because it's not finished yet. And there'll be a time when, when the time is right and all that, then, you know, then the network or the studio, not the network, the studio will have the opportunity to release the information as they deem appropriate since they're writing the check and he or she who writes the check writes the rules. So it sounds like if we assumed that it would be quite a while till we're watching this on the big screen, we would be right. Uh, good try there. Good try. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm taxed. I'm, I'm done, guys. Help me out here. Objection, Your Honor. She's leading the witness. <laughs> leading the witness. Uh, Michael Mackey in the chat has asked, uh, Lori, how do you feel about Eric and Garrett working together in TNA wrestling, specifically their feud together? Oh, the feud, yeah. Ooh, the drama. That was a lot of fun. I mean, come on. So I get to see my son um, grow up to be able to be part of something that he grew up um, being part of on the other side. And now he was able to be literally on that side of the camera in the ring as a performer and as a wrestler and working with his dad. I mean, how often does that happen? So I was just ecstatic for him to be able to have that experience. And it was, of course, tons of fun for us to be watching that drama play out. Until you watched me beat his ass with a camera <laughs> yeah, stick. I, I did. I did um, recoil just a bit from that. <laughs> I just was like, ugh. We went backstage, you know, after the match was over, Garrett took his shirt off, or he didn't have a shirt on. And, of course, he turned his back to me, and he had these big red welts that were like an inch and a half high. And I had to take a picture of it, and then I sent it to Lori. She said, hey, we had a blast. <laughs> oh, those boys. <laughs> I I have to ask, just because we heard a lot from Eric but um, previously, but what was your experience like living in Stanford, especially with Eric being in the office all day? What were you, what were you doing during those times in Stanford, Connecticut? Yes, what were you doing in those times? <laughs> She took a dance class. Don't you guys listen to We're Talking Shift? Right. Thank you, Christy. I did. I did. I work from home as well. So while Eric was out, you know, doing his thing all day, I mean, I was doing my thing. Um, and one of those things, so I did have the uh, the great experience of discovering there was a Dance With Me studio literally right around the corner. Um, so that was really fun because I wanted to do that for a long, long time just to go take some dance lessons. So I did get to do that for a little bit before we left. But other than that, I pretty much spent my days working on my stuff. And, um, of course, getting Nikki outside. I mean, we went from 20 acres in Wyoming to, um, you know, an apartment in Stanford. So taking her out on a leash and, you know, doing laps around the block was kind of, um, 
part of my new routine, let's just say. So it was it was a really good experience, though. I enjoyed the time we were there a lot. It was only four, was only four months, so you know, we weren't <laughs> you, there that long. But we did. We ate a lot better while we were there. It was great restaurants. Well, we were ate you? better when we were out. <laughs> we we eat well at home <laughs> because were I cook a lot. <laughs> but going out was a, very much a treat. That's pretty good. Were you able to tour the offices, or did you ever get to meet Vince McMahon at all? Uh, no and no. <laughs> Interesting. You know, we just kind of ran out of time. I'm, are you kidding me? You know Vince McMahon's reputation. Do you think I'd let him be around my wife? <laughs> Is it more like, were you afraid of like him saying like, you kissed my wife, pal, and I get to kiss yours? You kissed my wife and my daughter, goddammit, pal, come on! <laughs> Uh, yeah, George, when you started that question of how did Lori feel about, I thought for sure we were going there. <laughs> Lori, we have heard, yes, from Eric so much about this. How did you feel about him kissing both Linda and Stephanie McMahon? You know, it, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I kind of knew that that was coming and, you know, it's, it's a show, it's entertainment. It was really fine with it. I will say, though, however, he did catch me off guard because he didn't warn me when he decided to plant one on Miss Elizabeth, and <laughs> I had no warning. So Neither did she. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of went over like a lead balloon, but, you know, I got over it. It's all right. It's all entertainment. How about that hefty chick down in Iowa at WCW sold out? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How many were there? There are a lot. <laughs> no, just those. Just those. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think it is worth asking, uh, Lori, how, what is your, I, I guess, wrestling viewing diet like and what has it been in the past? Is, is wrestling a thing you follow closely or a thing you follow, I guess, peripherally? Peripherally, peripherally. <laughs> <laughs> Probably accurate. I mean, of course, when Eric was involved, um, then I was watching it because, you know, I had um, I, I had an investment, an emotional investment in it. And it was fun. It's fun to watch people that, you know, performing. So, of course, you know, even when the kids were little and when it was uh, NWO time and WCW time, I mean, the, the week and the day was planned around that. And, and we had a great time doing it, but it, not so much no anymore. It's, um, it's not something that I spend much time on. Neither than one of us do. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, the flavor has changed. Let's just say that. And yeah. I don't have much interest. Now in we that. watch, now we watch like Killing Eve is one of our favorite yeah. shows. And Ozark is another favorite show. Billions. Billions is an awesome yeah. one. So yeah. our tastes have changed. I keep hearing that Killing Eve is good. I got to get caught up on that. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Check it out. We, we love that. I, um, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about something that made a huge splash this week that I'm sure you probably haven't seen yet either, Eric. And that was the Owen Hart episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, there was one point in the show where they claimed that the reason why Owen was doing this entrance was because Sting was doing it at WCW and they wanted to kind of answer to that and do something similar or bigger and better. Were you aware of that at the time? You no, know, I certainly wasn't aware of what their <clears throat> thinking was or their strategy was creatively. I, I would have been privy to that, obviously. It was pretty obvious, you know, that they 
they, they wanted to do something spectacular and similar, I guess, uh, to what we were doing. But uh, no, I wasn't aware of what their thoughts were when, when they decided to do it. You talked with Conrad about getting caught up on Dark Side of the Ring. Have you gotten to do that yet? I feel like it's been like Hell a week since no. we recorded that episode. <laughs> no? Not yet. I will, though. I will. There'll come a time, maybe this weekend, because the weather's going to be kind of crappy here this weekend. So, it because I, I know the producers. I've been a part of some of those shows in the right. past. You know, Evan is a great guy, and um, I'm a big fan of of, of the, the series. I just, it's just time. I, I know it sounds crazy because during this COVID thing and everybody's kind of locked down and it's not like I'm the busiest son of a bitch on the planet either right now but it's just you know sitting down in front of a television for more than you know a couple hours in the evening with Lori and our daughter Montana's here now and having a meal and watching a couple hours of television and I'm done I'm, I was in bed last night at 8 30 I was up at 3 30 this morning but I was <laughs> I you know I, I go to bed pretty early because I love to get up early yeah it's still light out well, and you mentioned having appeared on the show before. It is always weird when we don't see you on those things, like the Michael Jordan Bulls special that's been blowing up TVs right now. TMZ had to get you to reach out to you to ask about the real story on what went down. Um, did TMZ reach out to you, or how did that happen? Yeah, they. you know, I've done stuff with TMZ in the past, so they, they have my contact info, and it was really interesting because, I, you know, that's another thing that I want to watch because I know it's a really good documentary, and I like good quality documentaries. But again, I just, you know, haven't had the time. But on Sunday night, my Twitter feed was just blowing up, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I didn't even bother really looking at it. I looked at one or two, and then I got up Monday morning, and it was just nuts. And then people started calling me from all over the world wanting to do interviews because of what they saw on the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. So clearly there was uh, there was at least some content where I was involved in it or NWO was, and I might've been a part of it, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think it's also on the Owen Hart. I think the dark side of the ring documentary very quickly glossed over post Bret Hart leaving WWF. Owen Hart was signed to a very large deal. And I think I'm going to ask the question. I kind of know, I probably already know the answer. Was there any interest on your end in Owen Hart? And, or yeah, that, that's the question. No, and it's kind of me going through the motions with that question. Yeah, no, it was either made obvious to me by Brad or somebody else that Owen was under contract and knowing that he was under contract, there was no reason to try to think about, you know, signing him or getting him involved with WCW was, uh, was a no-fly zone. Real quick, uh, the T- the, I would say the TMZ story that was said, uh, mentioned by Eric, was actually mentioned on this show first, so more often times than not, we break the news before, a lot of time before, uh, before, before TMZ does. But uh, going back to Lori, I'm kind of curious myself, is there a favorite segment that Eric has been in that you enjoyed the most? Maybe him getting, you know, court uh, corner thing by Mae Young? Or just anything in general that that stood out to you that when I got is, is busted by the old lady, the stuff that she had. That must not have made much of an impression. I love how that oh, was no, George's go-to example. George, uh, that would not have been probably. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, wow, there was there were uh, so many good highlights, so many good moments. Um, it's kind of hard to just hone in on one. I. I loved the um, the whole the wedding scene with the. With oh the my god! Pie. Yes, 
that was yes, yes. that was so unusual. Again, something that hadn't been done, and it just went off so well. Uh, it, it was just really well received. Everybody loved it. I thought that that was really fun. It was really um, unique. One of my favorites. Let me think of the. There was also the courtroom. The, the the court the trial of Eric Bischoff was one of my favorites as well. Just as like a a multi runner ending with ending with Eric Bischoff being fired by Vince McMahon. I thought the to double up. Yeah, on five I think the, the first time I got fired by Vince McMahon was a lot more fun than the second time. <laughs> I can't wait for the third. <laughs> well, Lori, has anyone ever approached you in public or maybe your friends or family thinking that something Eric did on screen was I don't want to say real, but um, was was not scripted. Like um, I know when he like when he fired um, Randy Anderson, people thought that was real. Has anyone ever come for you over something they saw him do on TV? So not so much to me, but although now that you mentioned that one, that was a big one, and I think that people really thought that was real. And I think uh, if I recall, it's been a while, but if I recall, I did have a few phone calls, probably mostly from relatives who, you know, felt comfortable calling me and saying, you know, what the hell did you marry that prick for? (laughs) (laughs) Did he really? I can't believe he did that. So yeah, there were just a few, a few. And the live chat role wants to know what is the first thing that Eric said to you when you guys met? Ooh, did he drop a line? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never had a line. I've got absolutely, I've got, I've never had any game whatsoever. I mean, when we first met, that was back, I mean, I was running a business at that time, a modeling agency, and Eric came in to sign with our agency. And so, I mean, our first conversations were very, professional (laughs) for about a a day (laughs) oh come on yeah and then we had to get into the no fraternization policy and find all kinds of ways around that we managed to find a way though (laughs) now there so i can't remember unfortunately i wish i had a really cool line for you i will say that when we had our first formal meeting at the office I was sitting at my desk and there was a window behind me and he came in and sat down across from me and the light was hitting his face and his eyes. And I just remember like these green eyes and I thought, oh my God, this is like the most gorgeous man I've ever seen. That is actually true. What I thought. And then I looked, um, I looked around and went, um, well, okay. Uh, we're running a business here, so I better just like set that aside and get back to the business at hand. And then she came out carrying donuts because it was early in the morning. There was a bunch of talent there. Yeah. Um, because I think we were doing a photo shoot yeah. later that day, a test, you know. Yeah. So they had donuts there for, for all of us. And Lori came out, and she set some donuts down on the table, and then she turned around and walked away. And I went, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that in Playboy in 20 years. (laughs) As did everyone else. Didn't take me 20 years. (laughs) No, it didn't. A couple weeks. I don't know. Hey. (laughs) No, but we started seeing each other quietly. And then my partner at the time, my, my business partner, 
um, says to me, by the way, I think we should have a, you know, no getting involved with the talent rule. And I was like, oh, sure, okay. However, that train had already left the station. And um, well, as you can tell, the business did not outlast the relationship. So there you have it. I love that story. Um, and I guess this, well, no, this doesn't really go along with it. One of our, our live chatters is quite insistent that he would like you to answer this, Eric. He wants to know uh, about if Chris Canyon was ever open about his sexuality when he was in WCW and how was the locker's attitude towards him? Um, he wasn't, uh, at least that I'm aware of. There may have been, you know, people that were close to Chris that were aware, you know, he was still in the closet, but he hadn't, you know, he hadn't come out of the closet and it wasn't something that was generally known. And I certainly didn't know it. Was there any push at that time? I remember in the mid nineties, there being um, some encouragement for seeing different groups of people on TV and for gay representation on TV. Was there any idea of putting a homosexual character um, on the show? Not really. You know, in, in fact, I think, going back into the nineties, I think people would have been more sensitive. They, they would have, they would have probably been afraid that we were exploiting it. You know, things have changed so much. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't have representation across all, you know, classes and races and religions and sizes and shapes and all that, you know, you've got people coming out of the woodwork, you know, pounding on you for not being diverse enough. Um, it was, I mean, it's, that's the extreme. I'm not saying it's an extreme. That's what we have today. What we had probably back in the mid '90s was the exact opposite of that. Um, you had to be really careful about what you did so that it wasn't stereotypical. And I still think the the public was quite as um, ready for that. And certainly, executives in the advertising world wasn't quite as ready for that at that point as they are now. Mm-hmm. That makes also a lot the, of sense. Also, the pro wrestling audience in general. I would say when it comes to diversity would be a good two or three years behind the general television audience, or at least that's what advertisers would think. Maurice Barlow in the chat wants to know, uh, Mr. Bischoff has said he enjoys uh, the chocolate cake. He wants to know if Mrs. Bischoff does uh, around here in the 83 weeks universe, chocolate cake is a euphemism for marijuana. Oh, chocolate cake cake here. That's, that's how plugged into that world I am. So no, I, uh, it's, it's not my cup of tea. Um, I think it's cool that other people enjoy it, but I prefer just my glass of wine and I'm good. Don't have to steer that way. Yeah. (laughs) And you are, you're a a holistic nutritionist, right? Or you're an expert in that area? Holistic nutrition coach. Exactly. So that's, it's something that I've been doing for a long, long time. It's been healthy eating and a healthy eating lifestyle and just health in general has pretty much been my passion my whole adult life. So that's something that's part of my business now as well. Helping with helping people get their, their health dialed in. And seeing as how you're so dialed in also to the pro wrestling world, have you ever taken an interest in the idea that um, like a, a veteran wrestler eating a certain diet could help heal any brain damage that they may have suffered? Have you ever taken an interest in that? That is not something that's really been on my radar. I don't know that that kind of injury, I don't know enough about how 
food and you know what you're eating could affect that type of injury and injury sustained in that manner. Um, I imagine you know that is definitely beyond my skill sets. That's that's in the doctor world. Um, I know that you know there are certainly a lot of of foods that do affect um, optimal brain activity, but I don't know about injury. Okay, that's a, an interesting thing. Kind of, kind of going back to the the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary, uh, which, by the way, if you blink and you miss, you see the Sandman and or Hardcore Hack in one episode. But it was around this time that uh, they started coming, or Hogan and Rodman started coming out to Jimi Hendrix. Whose idea was it for that? Because that that combination of Hogan coming out to Jimi Hendrix was probably to me one of the best music combinations in pro wrestling. Whose idea was that, and how were the negotiations to get the rights for that song? Uh, to appear on WCW on a regular basis? That was my idea. Um, I had grown up, I guess, in my mid-early teens, being a, right, right after Woodstock or during Woodstock is when I first became aware of Jimi Hendrix. I think I was about 14 at the time, maybe, yeah, 14, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And that's when I first heard Jimi Hendrix. And, you know, for two summers, that's all I did was listen to Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze and and all, all of that, you know, all around the clock tower and so many of his great songs. And I've always still am to this day, a Jimi Hendrix fan. So when the opportunity came, you know, to, to come up with some music that was really cool, I wanted to use that song, uh, that Jimi, Jimi Hendrix song, Voodoo Child. So I did a little research and found out that Jimi Hendrix's sister, actually the family owned all the publishing rights and the music rights for Jimi's catalog. Jimmy, like I knew him, right? My pal Jimmy. But they owned and controlled the Jimi Hendrix music catalog. So I was able to reach out to Jimi Hendrix's sister and negotiate that deal. And believe it or not, I got um, worldwide rights for television and pay-per-view. I think the limitation was I couldn't play more than two minutes, you know, or three minutes or something like that. Uh, $400,000 for unlimited unlimited use. So that was pretty cool. You You couldn't go near it for... You couldn't. You probably couldn't do that for five million or ten million dollars today, because publishing rights and music rights has gotten so sophisticated, and there's so much more money in it. But back then, it was not that tough a deal to cut. And that was for WCW specifically. Yes. So had yeah. WCW had WCW through either Fusion Deal or any other mouth any other business stayed going, WCW would have held on to the rights to Voodoo Child. I think we would have had an option okay. to continue it, but I, I, I don't know that that was really in the plan. Gotcha. Even to the point where even in WWE, when Hogan, after after they got bought out, they started using the Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, as, as a theme song for a little bit, but I never knew that was all Eric Bischoff's idea. It's pretty cool. Yeah, most good ideas that you're familiar with today, <laughs> where they are, probably started somewhere with me. Okay, cool. <laughs> Craig Smith has a bit of a, Craig Smith in the chat has a bit of an in the weeds question that I like. Uh, Macho Man voiced a villain in an episode of Dexter's Laboratory. Dexter's Laboratory was a cartoon on the Cartoon Network, which is also Turner Turner Broadcasting at the time. Did Turner Broadcasting approach WCW or anyone else in WCW to vo- do voices in other products? Uh, I mean, that wouldn't have come to me. That would have probably come to Alan Sharp or Michael Weber uh, in public relations or marketing. So I, it didn't come to me, but. Mm. It would make sense. 
while we're on kind of the business side of things, Eric, this is purely something I want your opinion on that's going down right now. Uh, an independent promotion called CZW recently sold off their library to a company that is repackaging their female talent matches as softcore porn, basically, uh, with, with titles that are titillating, even though the content is the same. It's just female wrestling. What do you think about that? Is that good business or is that completely unethical? Well, I don't think it's unethical. You know, it's it's a legal commercial transaction if someone chooses to do it. I, it's it's pretty, you know, it's bottom feeding. Um, but if there's a buck in it and somebody feels desperate enough to make a buck doing that and don't feel too bad about it, whatever. You know, I I don't have an opinion about what other people do. I learned a long time ago, thanks to her mostly, you know, not to be too judgmental and worry about what other people do or say or think because there's as i say there's no money in it you know so why worry about it if, if it's not going to benefit me or my family and i can't do anything to change it mm, fuck it <laughs> quick question for Lori: uh when you're kind of doing your own thing you know at you know your local whatever it is that you're doing and people see you know maybe you print out you fill something out that says Lori bischoff do you get a lot of like a oh my god are you married to eric like probably i would do (laughs) george yes yes that does happen um i can't tell you how many times and bizarrely enough it's like on the phone um in the past i can remember several times being on the phone with somebody like from the phone company or or the satellite company where you know people that have like thousands of customers calling in and I'll get that one guy that goes, Lori Bischoff. Wow. Are you related to it? Yeah, it happens. It still happens today. Not as much, but definitely it does. And I, yeah, it's fun. It's funny. <laughs> well, I'm just searching the chat roll here, man. They are lit up, but they are arguing amongst themselves, which is fine too. Uh, so I'm going to go a little dark with this, Eric. I hope you don't mind, but you talked a lot about attending wrestlers funerals on 83 weeks this week. And I have to know, have you ever thought about who would come to yours and what they would say? Nope. Really? I don't think, I, I, I don't think there's going to be one. I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a big believer in funerals the way that most people think of them. I mean, if, yeah, they want to spread my ashes around the river on a nice summer day and throw a little bit of a party and barbecue a pig and drink a bunch of beer. I'd be down for that. And hopefully a couple of people okay. would show up. Taking notes. That's <laughs> what you barbecue a pig. But I, you know, the whole idea, of, and this is just for me. I mean, I understand why other people do it and, and I'm, I'm not judging anybody else, but I, it's such a sad thing. And, you know, I'd rather just, I don't know, something fun we can do okay. fun well, yeah <laughs> we, can, we can have a few shots in your honor maybe put up a ring outside and have a you know, let everybody get good and hammered and have some wrestling matches and... yeah no we won't be doing that but we'll have some fun. <laughs> that that sounds like that sounds like the idea of someone who doesn't have to deal with the insurance repercussions of the idea i'll be gone I it's, like, it's, it's my funeral i don't have to deal with that at all <laughs> right 
Well, of course, Lori would be in charge then. And Eric, you said just a little bit ago about how she's helped you uh, throughout life, of course, and maybe kind of calming down a little bit. And I, Lori, I listened to uh, your episode of your podcast right after you two had moved from Stanford and had gone through all of that. Your perspective on it all was just so incredible. And I'm wondering, Eric, if you could kind of tell everybody how much Lori helped you through that or how she made that situation easier for you. Well, I'll, I'll be really honest, not to take anything away from Lori, because she's always been so supportive. I mean, ridiculously supportive, so supportive, it's hard for me to understand why she would be that supportive in so many different ways. But, you know, I, it didn't bother me that I got let go. You know what I mean? I was a little surprised, to be honest. But I was also like really relieved. So I wasn't like, I didn't come home depressed or, you know, throwing things around or anything like that. It was like, I literally, I mean, let me tell you the story. I left the house about nine or nine 30, the way I always did, got into the office, did a couple of things, hung out with a couple of people about 10 or 10 30, I guess. Um, I got to be careful whose name I name, but um, someone asked me to step inside an office and there was an HR person with him. And I stepped in uh, and jokingly, I said, cause I'd seen the HR for, you know, there's HR people around all the time. There's always some kind of an issue or, updates or classes or something that you've got to be aware of so it wasn't unusual to, to see someone from HR you know running around the office at all and I you know she came into the office with him and I went I jokingly I said oh what, am I fired and he just like <laughs> yeah like oh my god I went oh wow and my first reaction because this again I gotta be a little careful how I say this the person telling me this is a super guy and he's a just he's a world-class professional and a great human being and I could tell how bad he felt and I said fill in the blank don't worry about it it's just fine it's just it's okay it's just fine you know it was harder on him than it was on me so got through the business and jumped in my car and I went there you know the office was only 12 minutes from the apartment then I drove home and it was about 11 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and Lori's working at her table you know and She's on a computer. I come walking in. She doesn't usually see me come back until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I come walking in at 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, 12 hours early. And she said, jokingly, she said, well, you said. Yeah, I, he walked in and I was surprised. I was like, who's walking in the apartment door? And why isn't the dog alarming me? Some, some alarm dog. And he walks in and I jokingly said, what are you doing here? Did you get fired? <laughs> I said, he goes, yeah. Yes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> my face probably did the same thing that the other people in the office. I mean, my face went like, I, I didn't expect it. I, I thought, you know, he forgot something. He had to come home and grab something and like, oh, okay. So. And 20 minutes later, we were sitting in a little, little mm -hmm. tapas bar down the street, having a beer, eating some tapas saying, okay, well, what's, what's next? What do we do next? <laughs> Man, I mean, I think that just says how much you guys have been through in your total time together. Oh, we've, we've, we've seen a few things, done yeah. a few things. Yeah, covered some ground. <laughs> well, uh, the chat roll wants to know, Mrs. B, what is your podcast called? Where can they find it? Uh, what kind of great content are you giving people? Let them know. Thank you. Well, it is called We're Talking Shift. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, the usual suspects. And... The, the podcast is, the shift part is all about helping people through um, 
through information and guidance, advice of experts. I have a lot of experts and doctors come on, helping people shift uh, the way they think about things and then giving them uh, information to help them improve or up-level their life, whether it's your health, um, your emotional fitness, your mental diet, anything to help you feel better and perform better at your life. That's what it's all about, helping you make that shift and giving you the information um, so you can follow through and know what to do. And that's, you know, one of the great things about the podcast is Lori's able to access some really, really smart people who are experts in their field. I think the last podcast she did was with a gentleman. Um, I don't remember his name. So, Rich. Sorry, Rich. Uh, he, he and his partner owns a company called Ceramcore that make this really, really high quality ceramic finished cookware. And they talked a lot about how a lot of the cookware that you use because it's metal based and a lot of that metal, aluminum, all kinds of other nasty copper, shit, iron. copper, iron, all that stuff leaches into your food when you use this cookware. And that's where a lot of conditions or diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, come from, you know, the week before it was all about sugar and, and, or two weeks before and yeah. how people become addicted to sugar. And right. it's coincidentally, you know, in, in, in the news today, you hear all about COVID and, you know, one of the, nobody agrees on anything at this point because it's all been so ridiculously politicized. But one of the things that there is consensus on is that the underlying conditions that make you more vulnerable. Now we know that elderly people are vulnerable, but who's next on the list? People with comorbidities. What's a comor One of the leading comorbidities is diabetes. Guess what? That's self-inflicted shit. You did that to yourself. And people don't know they're doing it to themselves because they don't understand the amount of sugar that's in processed food and the 25 different names for sugar. So even if they want to avoid sugar, I went through this myself as recently as two or three weeks ago, I was into this food product and I looked quickly at the, at the back of the label and it said, oh, you know, no carbohydrates. Oh, great. I didn't look further down and I realized that there were 23 other forms of sugar in there, but it was called something else. So, you know, when you get to talk to experts like that on our show, and Roy has certainly studied it a, a lot over the last 20 odd years, and then you bring in people who are professionals, doctors, and, 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 yeah, and people experts. who are experts in their fields, it's a great conversation, and, and you can really learn a lot on that, on that podcast. Thank you. Could you be my PR and marketing person? <laughs> that was awesome. We could work something out. All right. <laughs> Well, I think the chat role thinks you need a job, Eric, because they are always suggesting places they would like for you to go work. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I mean, come on. Let, let, come on. Who would want to leave this? <laughs> right? Oh, well, guys, do you have anything else that you would like to uh, ask Eric and Lori while we have them here? I think, I think we wrapped it up nicely. This was so much fun. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Lori. It was really great to get your perspective and uh, finally hear your opinion on some of the stuff that your husband has accomplished in the wrestling bits. Oh, thank you. It has been fun and I really appreciate the invitation. And uh, yeah, this is a good time. I wonder what he does up, up here on these shows uh, every, every Thursday night. And now I got to meet everybody and I really enjoyed it. So thank you. And what thank they're you. really saying, Lori, is they're kind, of, they're kind of sick of talking to me all the time. So it's nice to have a fresh face. Happy I could help. Yeah, you got him out of the usual grilling a little bit. Exactly. A bit of it. 
Well, thank you. And you are invited back anytime you'd like to join us, Lori. I want to thank you guys both for your time, as always, Eric. And uh, for everybody watching live, we do this at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the 83 Weeks channel. Make sure that you subscribe so you never miss it. Turn on those post notifications so you can always come and hang out with us live and get Eric to answer all of your questions. So okay, next can we week, throw in one thing here? Of Could, course. If you're watching this, you need to watch Twitter fodder but you should also subscribe and get notifications there because I'm doing them almost every day and I have a blast doing it. Yes, yes. those are going <laughs> over well as well. Yes, Steve would like everybody <laughs> to check those out too. So make sure you're doing that. Eric, man, you are just opening yourself up to everybody. We love how accessible you are. Thank you for being you. And uh, we will see you all back here again next week when they will be covering AEW from 2019. It's the first time ever. It's going to be good. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so I much. Thank you. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.